Genesis chapter 22, we're going to look at the great test that we find here in the Word of God. The great test. You know, life runs before us. I told the Lord the other day, I feel like I'm in a foot race with death. And I'm trying to outrun it. But I know one day it's going to catch up to me. And um, as I did yesterday, so many Saturdays and times during the week, I'll do a funeral. And yesterday I had a funeral for a young man, 62 years of age. That is a young man. And so I'm always amazed at how quickly death comes upon a person. I read this inscription I think is very, very good. An inscription on a cathedral said this, When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When I became later in life and older in life, time flew to the point that one day I was gone and traveling no more. And I thought about the profound meaning of that. Every single day God gives us is a gift. And we ought to live every day to the fullest and be all we can be for God every single day. Now, all of that goes to say, here is Abraham. He got saved. He became a believer at age 75. 75 years of age, he became a follower of Yahweh, Jehovah. We find his conversion statement in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Chapter 15, verse 6, it says that Abraham believed and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. In other words, God accounted to him righteousness because of his belief. Now we find in chapter 22, Abraham, a hundred years of age, He's on up there. And he's still following God. Still following God in his life. Now, in chapter 22, God does a strange thing. You know, we've been talking about Abraham and chapter after chapter, God tells Abraham this, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. That child will be the child of promise. And Isaac will be born to you. And all the promises of God. And the covenant is going to be wrapped up in that child. And so we find in chapter 21, Isaac is born. We find the covenant reestablished. And then in chapter 22, guess what God does? Go and take that child of promise. Put him on an altar, put a knife through him, and take his life. Can you imagine what Abraham was thinking? Now, in the culture of that day, child sacrifice, human sacrifice, it was done. 
But here is God asking Abraham to do the impossible, to do the unthinkable, to do something that he could not imagine. And so Abraham has a great test of faith. Warren Wearsby made this comment on the chapter. Wearsby says, when we stop learning, we stop growing. And when we stop growing, we stop living. And here is Abraham, a hundred years of age. He's still in the school of faith. God's still teaching. God's still growing him. I kind of like Dr. Stain. You know, still on the mission field. And so Abraham is still in the school of faith trying to learn. And so for the Christian believer, we never stop having trials. I thought when Pam and I were raising our daughter, I thought, Lord, when she gets 18, I'll be done with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh, you know how it is. They're always your children. I called the other day and I said, now listen, make sure, you know, your car's defrosted. Make sure that ice gets off there before you drive. Got a little bad weather up in Asheville. Make sure. And I mean, I'm still the dad. Abraham. Still learning. Still growing. Still progressing in the faith. Now in chapter 22, I believe it's the greatest test that Abraham would face. In chapter 22, he stands and he has to do this one particular unthinkable thing. And so I want to read for you in chapter 22. Let's read verses 1 through 8 as we begin. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, let me stop and tell you a very, very important word here. Tested. God didn't tempt Abraham. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Now, let me stop and tell you, verse number 5, what a statement of faith. Abraham had no idea had no thought of bringing back a dead corpse. He believed that he was going to bring his son back alive. We'll talk about that in a moment. 6, verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. 
And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. As we stop there, what a tender story this is. Here is Abraham, the, the father, the patriarch. He's walking with his son. And Isaac looks up at his daddy and says, Daddy, I see the fire. Daddy, I, I see the knife. I, I see the stuff for the sacrifice. But daddy, where's the lamb? He had seen Abraham before make that sacrifice. Isaac had noticed God had somehow told Abraham, I guess, what to say, but what a tender moment this is. And Isaac simply says, Daddy, where's, where's the lamb? Well, today we're going to look at four simple lessons. And I think these four lessons, I don't know what test you're going through, I don't know what trial you're going through, but these four simple lessons are profound, I think. Number one, we need to expect, expect tests from God. God's going to test our faith. In our faith walk, we will have testing times. Now, your tests will not be like Abraham's. But you're going to have a moment in your life where God's going to call you to Mount Moriah. It may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be family, it may be financial, but you're going to have some kind of test in your life. Now Abraham, boy I tell you, he had his share. He had a family test. He had to leave his family in Ur and had to journey by faith. He had a fight test. You remember the story we looked at when Abraham went to war. He had a fight test. And then also Abraham had a fortune test. He had to come back and make that offering to Melchizedek. And then he had a fatherhood test. Well, that one he failed, didn't he? Because they got impatient, they went and found Hagar and had Ishmael. And so, I think we need to learn to distinguish between a trial or a test and a temptation. Now here's the difference. Trials and tests come from God to make us better. Temptations come from Satan to bring us down. That's the difference. You can have a test from God and there will be a trial in your life, but God does that to make you better in your life. But a temptation will always come to bring you down from Satan. So, we've got to expect trials. I've, I've talked to so many people that say, well, I just don't understand. You know, here I am trying to live the Christian life and I'm going through this trial. Listen, because you are faithful, because you are reading the Bible, because you are praying, God wants to grow you in your faith, and so you're going to have a test. 
a testing time. That's what Abraham had. Alright, so that's the first lesson. Expect it. Number two, here's the second lesson. Focus on promises, not on explanations. Man, that's key. When you're going through a test, don't focus on an explanation. Now, the request of God here seemed unreasonable. Why in the world would God do this? Why would God tell someone to take their child and sacrifice that child on the altar? Unreasonable. But God had a plan. Isaac was Abraham's only son. The future covenant rested in him. Isaac was the miracle child. Believe me, Sarah's too old to have children. That child was a miracle. God did something they'd never done before. And so here is Abraham. God, why? Why? I want, I want you to know something. When God sends a trial in your life and in mine, here's what we say. Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? We're like that old song. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do? You know, why me, Lord? Why, why have you done this? Well, Abraham tries to focus on promises, not on explanations. I want you to look in chapter 21. Look in chapter 21, verse 2. Genesis 21, verse 2. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. In chapter 21, verse 2, here's the phrase you need to catch. At the appointed time. At the time God declared. Listen, when God sends a trial and when God sends a blessing, they both come from His hand at the appointed time. I like the blessings better than the trials. I'll have to say that. But Abraham heard God's voice and obeyed. Abraham believed the promises. In fact, when God told Abraham to do it, when you read chapter 22, I don't find any argument from Abraham. When you read chapter 2, I don't find Abraham saying, God, are, are you sure? Would you like to say that again? Abraham doesn't argue. He doesn't complain. He's obedient to God. I tell you, I, I don't know if I'd have that kind of faith. I think that'd be a challenge for me. But let, let me show you how strong Abraham's faith is. I want you to take your Bible. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And look at verse 17. Chapter 11. Let me read 17 through 19. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises... There it is. He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten Son. 
It was He to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. Did you get that? From which He also received him back as a tithe. Let me tell you what Abraham said. Abraham said, God, if I take this knife, and if I plunge this knife into my son, and God, if Isaac dies here because you asked me to do this, God, you can bring him back to life again. Now, I want you to hear me well on this. You've got something in your life. And if you've got something in your life that you cherish more than your relationship to God, somewhere, somehow, someplace, God's going to call you to put it on the altar. Because God's going to have no rival in your life. He's not. God wants to be Lord. Christ needs to be on the throne of your life. And He'll have no rival. God needed to make sure that Abraham was all His. And so, Abraham here said, God, I'm going to live by the promise. I'm going to live by the promise. And God, even if, if Isaac is slain here, God, You can bring him back to life again. Alright. Now, in chapter 22, verse number 5. Again, chapter 22, verse 5. This... Wonderful statement of faith here. Abraham says, and we will worship and return to you. How well can you worship after you've lost a loved one in your life? How well can you worship when you've lost the house that you've worked 20 years to pay for? How well can you worship when you bought a car and you paid on it four and a half years and you almost got it paid for, then you wreck it. Yeah. How well can you worship when your bank account is so low it can't pay the bills? Let me tell you, worship depends on your relationship to God based on the promises God has given you. And if you'll be faithful in worship, God will provide everything that you need. And whatever we have that's a rival to Him, just put it on the altar. Say, here it is, God. It belongs to you. Well, let's move on, alright? Let's hit lesson number three, okay? Lesson number three. Depend on God's provision. I want to read now verses 6 through 14. Let me me just take 9. 9 through 14, alright? Let's read verses 9 through 14. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood. Bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, 
your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And then verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Now, here's the provision. Verse number 13, when Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught in the thicket. When Abraham needed a sacrifice, God provided a sacrifice. Just at the moment that Abraham was ready to bring that knife down and put it into his son, God provided the sacrifice. Now, you and I can go and look at a parallel between Genesis 22, Isaiah 53, and then in the Gospels where it tells the story of Jesus going to Mount Calvary. What Abraham did not do, God did do. You with me? What God allowed Abraham to be spared from doing, God didn't allow Himself to be spared from that. Because at Calvary, Jesus was nailed to a cross and died for you and I. But here, God in grace provided a sacrifice. God provide another lamb. Aren't you glad that you and I can say today that God has provided a lamb for you and I? John chapter 1, verse 29 says, The next day He saw Jesus coming to Him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, I'm going to tell you three things here real quick. And if you don't get anything else, listen to these three things, alright? Look at God's provision for Abraham. Number one, where does the Lord provide for our needs? Where does the Lord provide for our needs? In the place of the assignment. In other words, God provides for our needs in the place where we're working for Him. I want to tell you, it's, it's been my experience to have the call of God upon my life and sometimes I've left churches and I went kicking and screaming. But I knew that God had called me and I knew that God had a purpose and I knew that God had a new ministry for me. So I left saying, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to follow Your will. If I stay back there where God hadn't called me, God's not going to provide. God always gives His provision in the place of your assignment. You make sure that you're in the spot where God wants you to be. Make sure you're in the church where God's called you to be. Make sure you're in the spot working and serving where He wants you to be. So His provision is always tied to His assignment. Alright, second thing here, number two. When 
Does God meet our needs? Just when we have the need. <laughs> you know what? In a year from now, two years from now, I may need God to show up in my life as the great physician. He's going to do that. But He's, going to not, he's not going to do it before I need it. God's going to show up and meet my needs at the time I have the need and not one second before. You know when you need to be bailed out? At the moment you need to be bailed out. Not one second before. Mm. Like the guy who got in there and tried to cook supper for his wife, made a mess of the kitchen and made a mess of everything and said, Lord, I need you right now. God said, no, you need me when the, when the wife comes home. That's when you need me. <laughs> At the moment of the need, alright? Okay, number three, third thing here. How does God provide for us? Let me answer that. In ways that are quite natural. Quite natural. You know, God, God didn't come down here in Genesis 22 and appear in some supernatural way. God did something quite natural. Abraham just turned around and looked and there's the ram caught in the thicket. A very natural thing. Sometimes you know, I think God has to you know, do something like make the sun stand still or something like that. No! Something quite natural. When I was in my first church, my first pastorate, we had a guy in our church his name was Kenneth Hayes. Kenneth Hayes was a banker. I always tried to be in good with him, but uh, he was a banker. And uh, everybody knew that, you know, when we had a need in the church, oh, Kenneth, boy, he was faithful and, and uh, was always a great giver and just a super guy, faithful to the church. But I always remember at Christmas time, at Christmas time, my car insurance came due. <laughs> I wasn't making a lot of money, but every single Christmas, two checks came to the church from Kenneth Hayes. One to the church and one to me. When I got that check, first thing I did is paid my car insurance. <laughs> and I know that year after year, God used that man in a quite natural way to provide for me. Money didn't fall out of the sky. You know, God didn't open up heaven and, and rain down coins on me. God didn't do that. But God used a man in a quite natural way to take care of me. Well, depend on God's provision. Alright, those three things you need to remember. Let's move on hit the last thing here. Alright, fourth and last. <laughs> Look forward to what God has for you. There is always an afterword when we have a test. Mm, aren't you glad for that? There's always a time after the test. The test of Abraham had a great ending. In fact, if you look back to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, look at this verse, alright? Hebrews chapter 12. Should have had you hold your spot there a moment ago. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 11. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I like that word afterwards. Hmm. Man, have you ever been disciplined by someone and you prayed for it to get over with quickly? I have been. Been disciplined by my dad, principal in high school. Last time I got a... I know back in the day they used to have this board at high school and they'd give you some swats. Last swats I got, I was a senior in high school. I was bigger than the principal. He told me to grab that table I did and he gave me the Board of Education. He did. <laughs> Bill Turner. I still remember his name. Brother Bill. Hmm. Worst thing about it, he used to be a Baptist preacher, then became a principal. And I told him, I said, you don't hit like a, principal, like a preacher. He said, no, I hit like a principal now. And, but you know what? The afterwards. When God brings you through a test, the afterwards. Let me show you here real quick what Abraham got afterwards. Alright, number one, he received a new approval from God. That's in Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. You find the approval here from God. God said, I see now that you're not holding anything back from me. You're not holding anything back. Number two, he received back a new son. Because now that child was dedicated, that child was all God's now. He got back a new son. And then number three, he learned a new name for God. Verse number 14, the new name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. You want to know how you know how good the Lord is, how much He provides? It's when you go through a testing time. When you go through a testing time. I want you to take your Bible. We're going to close with this, but I want you to look at Matthew chapter 10. Look at Matthew chapter 10. I'll give you the verse in just a moment. But look at Matthew chapter 10. I want to show you something. Honda Civic. This is what we call a fog. The lady up there, Sylvia Browning, has it all programmed for me. She's got what doors I can get in, what doors I can't get in. Alright, she's got it programmed. This is the church fob. Gets me into the church. Key right here, I'm not sure what that goes to. <laughs> Key right here is the key to my apartment. Key right here is the key to my office. You've got a key ring too. And I want to tell you what God's going to do. There, there will be a point in your life when God's going to tell you, I need you to lay these keys down on the altar. 
And I need to know that there's nothing on that key ring more important than my relationship to you. Now, y'all probably want to pray for me when you look at this, but... <laughs> Is that not the skinniest billfold you've ever seen? Some of you have a billfold, you got a pocketbook. And in there you got pictures, don't you? Grandmas, husbands, you got pictures. And there will be a time in your life when God's going to call you to lay out that pocketbook, lay out that bill phone, and lay those pictures down on the altar. Because He wants to make sure that there's nothing in your life more important than your relationship to Him. Now, look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Verse 37. Matthew 10.37 He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You're going to face a test one day. When you come through that test, God's going to know that He is Lord of lords and King of kings in your life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, what a difficult lesson. God, what a challenging lesson. Lord, there are some here today that uh, You're going to call them to put something on the altar. Because God, right now, You're not sure that You're Lord of lords and King of kings in their life. God, I pray for them, I pray for me, that we would pass the test just like Abraham did. God, whatever we lay on the altar for You, You always give it back to us ten times, twenty times, fifty times over. And so, Father, I pray for faithfulness in our lives in testing times as well as in times of blessings. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all have a great day.